In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing using the right level of force. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The Force of Choice. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This is 2 Chronicles 26, verse 14, and it reads like this. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and abergons and bows and slings to cast stones. It's a good uh, verse for us today because obviously Uzziah here is preparing for war, for conflict. And in a similar way, we have to do the same thing. Now, not necessarily stones and slings and bows and all that good stuff, but we have to be prepared for whatever comes our way. And that could be more than just active shooter. Certainly, that's the worst case scenario. But there's other things that could occur too. Lesser levels, uh, um, you know, lesser crimes, if you will, lesser threats that are going to need a different type of response than just our firearm. And so we have to train for those things. So let's get into some news stories here. The first one is um, is a Grost, Grost, Washington, um, July to October 2000. Washington State Police Troopers parked in unoccupied patrol cars in several places during peak traffic hours. Automated uh, traffic speed monitors recorded slower um, than average speeds at those locations. The cars were moved regularly to keep drivers um, from several locations cautious with their speed. Good example here of presence. And I don't want to jump ahead or maybe I just will. Uh, a discussion we often have in uh, church safety ministries is should we be marked? Should we have shirts like this? But maybe it'd be your church's logo and it's a safety ministry under it. Um, should we wear lanyards with a safety ministry, you know, ID badge on it? Um, or should we be incognito? And my answer is always yes. And what I mean by that is simply this. You definitely want some safety team members to be incognito that are in the sanctuary at minimum and or patrolling around. And their idea is, is that they are not going to be, um, instead of being ambushed, they are the ambusher. Um, and so if something happens, they can respond quickly. It's unexpected um, from a bad guy's point of view, and they can, you know, respond. But on the other hand is this, one of the levels of force, once again, I'm jumping way ahead here, is presence. So I like the idea of having some of my safety team wearing, you know, black polo shirts, very similar to this one. But like I said, it has safety ministry on it. And they're walking around. And they make themselves available for people that are having issues. So, you know, it's good for the general congregation and for guests and stuff like that to know who to go to if there's an emergency. The other thing is this, is it keeps down low-level crime in the sense that, 
If somebody was just wandering around the church looking for an opportunity to do something wrong and they notice that there's safety people, you know, patrolling the grounds, they're going that's going to curb their behavior. They're going to say, "Well, there's no, you know, I'm not going to take the risk of going into the office because at because at any minute a safety team member could pop in there." You know, those kind of things. So we want to be watchful and it, we deter crime in the same way that those marked police cars do. When I'm talking to law enforcement, and I think a lot of you, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? The difference between a marked squad car and an unmarked squad car. Marked squad cars make bad guys behave. Low-level people stop doing what they're doing. It reminds them that they're in public and that they need to behave a certain way. Um, and meanwhile, the unmarked are catching people that don't expect to see a cop, and they need to be reminded that they're out there. So... Uh, both is what I go with. All right, next one. Fayetteville, North Carolina, December 31st, 2015. A stranger with an assault rifle entered into an African-American church during the New Year's Eve service while the pastor was delivering a message. This caused anxiety, bringing to mind the shooting that happened earlier that year in Charleston. Uh, the pastor left the pulpit, calmly approached the man, and engaged him in conversation. The man calmed down and let the pastor have his gun. Um, then the pastor prayed with him. Okay, so everything worked out, <laughs> and so that's great. It's a good example, though, is that verbal de-escalation, when done correctly and under, under the right circumstances, can actually talk somebody down with potential murder on their mind. And so it's one of those skills that we have to practice and we have to develop and get some training behind it because that's another level of force. So we've already done presence. Now we're doing verbal. So these are your commands and everything from Bobby, stop running through the lobby to, you know, talking somebody down that's going through an emotional crisis, a personal crisis, and you can talk people down. It is a good skill. Now, the good news here is this. Most of us already use verbal de-escalation quite a bit in our lives. If you've been, ever been in an argument with a family member or a friend, you know, depending on how you approached it, you know, you might argue with them, but at the same time, maybe you're just trying to calm them down. And so we've practiced that to some extent. We've all gained an amount of um, emotional maturity, if you will, and developed some skills, hopefully, to learn how to talk to somebody when they're angry to calm them down. And so that's exactly what verbal de-escalation is all about. And it's an important skill to learn. Now, if you've never had formal training, what the formal training does is this, is it takes all those things that you've already known, but it kind of puts it in greater focus and gives you a little bit more technique and a little bit more finesse, if you will. All right, next news story, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, November 7, 2021, during the altar call at an evening, evening service at a Nashville church, a man came to the pulpit waving a handgun and threatening to shoot. The pastor, who had been praying with somebody, tackled the gunman from behind, flooring him. Um, church members held him down until police arrived. Okay, so here's our next level of force, right? So we've talked about presence. We've talked about verbal now we're on to soft, empty hand control. 
Now, a lot of people just say some for use of force continuums will actually have um, just one that says empty hand control. Some will have two where it's soft empty hand control and hard empty hand control. Soft empty hand control is basically anything that doesn't include strikes. So hard is your punching, your elbows, your knees, kicking. Those are strikes. That's hard empty hand control. Um, and then um, soft empty hand control is anything like, you know, escort holds. It may or may not include some takedowns if they're done softly. A hard takedown could be hard empty hand control. Um, uh, you know, what else? There's, there's all kinds of things. It could be pain compliance where it's a joint lock or something to that effect. Those are all empty hand control techniques. And that's what the pastor used here. He didn't. Based on the situation, and I imagine there's a lot of different factors involved here, but the pastor saw that he was in the right position to the bad guy, probably sized up his size versus that guy's size, taught, you know, all kinds of considerations went into it, and he runs over and he tackles them to the ground, and they get control of them. And so that's another thing we need to be trained to do. There's another story where it's... um. It's a kid. He goes into a cafeteria at a school, and he's getting ready to do a bunch of killing. And a coach who comes in behind him sees what's going on, and he's close enough, and everything's, you know, all the, all the little details are right, and he tackles him down to the ground. That's a good use of force. Now, could he have shot him? Potentially, possibly. But remember that courts are looking more now for using the least amount of force possible. The other thing is, too, um, you know, who wants to take a life? I certainly don't. I will if I have to, but I don't want to do it. So if there's another advantage, then I'm going to take it. I'm, if there's another opportunity, I'm going to take it. So we need to train on that. We need to be prepared. We need to find ourselves a local instructor to teach us some things. Now, I get it. We all come with different physical ability levels, you know, age, those kind of things. And depending on where you are in that spectrum of, you know, really physically fit to, you know, can't do anything, maybe you're disabled, those kind of things. Just keep in mind is this. Most of us can get better at than what we are today. And so if we do have to help somebody, maybe you have some people on your team, they're the ones to go hands-on. But you might be the only one standing there. Or that person that's already gone hands-on with your safety team, your safety team member that's gone hands-on with somebody, needs help. Even just a little bit of help can go a long way. And so we need to be training for that as well. Getting in the best physical shape that we can for our ability all of us can do something different, right? I mean, it might be pushing a dessert away, you know, after dinner, or maybe it's going out for a walk or whatever it is. We can all get better. All right. Next story. Um, Idaho, May 19, 2021. On a Wednesday evening, a man entered a church during a service. There he shouted and cursed at the leader who was preaching. Um, an elder called police. Officers who had been seeking the man reportedly shouting and screaming for help in a nearby park, responded. Uh, when they tried to get the man to leave the church, he resisted and had to be tased. After the arrest, search of the person found crystal meth. Okay, so here's the next level. So presence, verbal, 
empty hand control. Now we're using less lethal weaponry here. In this case, it's police officers using a taser. Um, another one I like, if you've been following me for any time, I love pepper spray. I'm a firm believer in pepper spray. That's the next level. We have to prepare for those moments where it's like, you know, it, hands-on isn't going to work here. Hands-on is going to be tough. You know, I, I've told many of you that I now live in a farming community, and it's where I stopped working in law enforcement when I retired. And um, they're, these kids, I mean, they work on their farms, and they work hard. They're throwing around bales of hay and doing all kinds of real physical work. And there are a great many of them that could probably pick me up and throw me on top of the, you know, top of this roof in the, you know, or throw me over a house. I mean, these are strong guys. Am I going hands-on with them? No, I'm not going hands-on with them if I can at all avoid it. And so that's where these less lethal weapons come in. Stun guns, tasers, pepper spray. I do like pepper spray. Because you can use multiple targets. If you miss, you just re-aim and shoot them again. Uh, I mean, there's lots of there's a lots of uh, uh, lots of benefits to pepper spray. And from my own personal experience in law enforcement, it worked highly effective seven or six out of ten times. Two out of ten times, it wasn't as effective, but it was still like getting in the first good punch, if you will. And then one out of 10 people looked at me like I was a crazy person and the fight was on. And so I love pepper spray. All right, the next one, one that we're super familiar with, white settlement. Um, after a, a man pulled out a shot, sawed off shotgun and shot two persons, a safety team member uh, downed him with one shot, Jack Wilson. There are times, obviously, that deadly force is the only answer. And we have to um, we have to use it. Simple as that. Obviously, a firearm is our preferred method, though there are a lot of other ways that you can cause or are likely to cause serious injury and death of another person. Um, once they've opened up the door, uh, once they are a deadly force threat and they have to be neutralized, it doesn't matter how you do it. Um, so much as it matters that you just make it happen, right? You're neutralizing this person. Um, there's a good video I saw a long time ago. This guy had stole a shotgun from a firearms dealer. Now, the shotgun had a trigger guard in it, but apparently the trigger guard did not fit right. And so it, while the guy couldn't get the trigger guard out, he could still function the shotgun. And so part of what he did is he had shotgun shells. He loaded that thing up. Um, there, he did some wild shooting um, at people. When police arrived, he was walking towards, I believe it was a Walmart. It was that kind of store, maybe a Target or something, Kmart. And um, he's walking towards the parking lot with people in it. And um, he's got a shotgun. And, he's, and it's functioning. And so what the squad car does is it runs him over smashes them. There was a, a one of those brick sign things. You probably know what I'm talking about. You see them sometime going into neighborhoods and stuff. It'll be like this brick thing with a sign and whatever. And uh, the squad car, he rammed them and pushed them into that wall and the guy went flying and all that kind of stuff. 
And that's a good problem solving right there, in my humble opinion. Deadly force was authorized. He had a weapon. He's going into an area with people. You take him out with the squad car. It's To me, that's a legal use of deadly force. So anyway, either way, we have to be prepared. And for a lot of us, that means we have to get to the range. And quite honestly, I'm talking to myself. And so we bought my wife a brand new firearm not too long ago. And um, it was right at COVID. And it was right when all the ammunition quadrupled in price, if you could even find it. And so she still hasn't been to the range to fire that weapon. And it's been a long time since I've been to the range. And so I'm talking to myself along with you. We have to make this a regular part of our lives. We need to have an annual qualification. That's absolute minimum. But then beyond that, we need to have additional training. Now, I know some of you are really big into firearms. Fantastic. And you're saying, I'm not even saying nearly enough. And you're partially right. Um, you know, When I first started shooting firearms in the military, and I became part of the special response team, um, which is the military police version of SWAT, we went to the range every single month, and we fired hundreds and hundreds of rounds. And it took that amount of shooting to get my skill to where it was at its peak. And it just takes time to get there. And that's, that's for all of us. We need to really develop that skill the best we possibly can. And for some of it, now, it does deteriorate. Your skills do deteriorate some. But as you develop them and you really shooting thousands, if not tens of thousands of rounds, You'll be surprised how just kind of even picking up a different firearm, um, you know, a lot of those skills transfer over and are very helpful to you. But at the end of the day, it's about getting to the range. So like, here I am. I, I've just covered the news, but we've kind of covered everything else, that, uh, you know, as well. I guess I just want to remind you to share this podcast. I should have done that a long time ago with your team and with church members, and really have this discussion. Keep in mind that we don't get to pick what kind of what kind of threat we might face. We can't pick if that person you know that comes to the church and is likely to cause trouble. You know what level of trouble are they calling? Can they be deterred just by us walking around and paying attention to what's going on? Maybe they can be stopped through you know verbal. You know, verbal de-escalation or verbal commands. We can gain control of some of those behaviors using that. Or it might be empty hand control or hard empty hand control where now we have to put our hands on them and now we're rolling, we're grappling, we're fighting with them. There's punches, there's kicks. We have to be prepared for that. Less lethal situations. We need to be prepared for those kind of situations. Do we have pepper spray? Do we have a taser? Do we have... Um, a stun gun, you know, what tools do we have and what tools have we trained with to be prepared for those types of situations? And then ultimately, a handgun. Um, I know not a lot of churches or jurisdictions, you can have that. But if you can, and if you are going to carry, and you've made a mental, emotional decision to do that, you've really thought about it, then by all means, if you're carrying, get to the range. Go to the range. Maybe you're somebody who's just gone through a permit to carry class or a concealed carry class, and maybe you fired, you know, one box of rounds in that class. Um, that's not enough. 
Start thinking about going on a regular basis. Maybe you can only go a couple times a year. Good, go a couple times a year. If you can go more frequently, then go more frequently. If you want to take classes that develop those skills, some basic firearms classes, maybe um, some advanced classes if you're ready for that, spend the money, spend the time, and uh, get her done. Other than that, uh, before I let you go, open enrollment is going on right now. If you go over to our website, you're going to see all the, you know, we got some deals going on right now to get, encourage you and your team to sign up and get through this training. Other than that, if you like this program, please like, comment, share. Let's get a conversation going on in the comment section. Other than that, hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.